This is HSBC Global Viewpoint, your window into the thinking, trends and issues shaping global banking and markets. Join us as we hear from industry leaders and HSBC experts on the latest insights and opportunities for your business. A heads up to our listeners that this episode has been recorded remotely, therefore the sound quality may vary. Thank you for listening. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Francois Ianosco, Managing Director, Continental Europe Head of Financial Institutions Sales at HSBC. Francois, welcome. How are you and how have you found Cybos 2020, which was obviously virtual for the first time? Thank you, Eleonard. Uh, thank you for, for having me. Uh, Cybos 2020, yes, virtual for the first time. Interesting setup. I'm working on the, uh, the Cybos uh, delegation team working group at HSBC, and it was quite interesting to adjust, adapt, but I think that Cybos and Swift have done a, a cracking job for this, yeah, uh, considering yeah. this situation. Absolutely, some great sessions uh, and good to see Diane oh, raise the feedback. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, super feedback from the clients, uh, uh, it was great. Good stuff. So speaking about your clients, what would you say are their sort of top priorities at the moment and to what extent have these been influenced by the pandemic? It's, it's, it's a good question because our client priorities have changed, right, considering mm. the, the, the last few months. But still on, on the top of, of the range, our FI client's top priorities are ISO, understand the impact of ISO 20 or 22, yeah, yeah. Uh, to be able to access Target 2 and EBA and mm-hmm. also chat in the UK. Also, they are extremely interested in accessing a faster payment scheme to reach beneficiaries on a 24-7 basis, Yeah, improving uh, the reach of beneficiaries globally through more focused set of correspondent banks they can rely on. Also, understanding whether they should invest or not in digital technologies, mm. such as API. And from a pandemic perspective, clearly we saw a shift and our clients are looking from their correspondent bank to be much more agile, much more uh, digitally and electronically friendly. Yeah, yeah. We saw that from signing contracts, receiving media files, or receiving operational updates, digitally rather than from the post. Mm, um, of course. For them to be able to live their life and share information with their, with their stakeholders internally. That's the top priorities for our clients. Excellent. So a lot of good things to aim for, but like you say, a lot of tough decisions as well. You, yeah. you mentioned the, the payments landscape there and, and real-time payments. How do you see that element sort of developing over the next few years? And is there maybe one payments innovation that interests or even perhaps concerns you? Payments are one of the most common interactions that banks have with their clients. Mm. Uh, so it's critical for our client and also it's critical for their overall business success. Mm. So as a correspondent bank, banks, we need to deliver 360-degree payment experiences which are fast, simple, connected, and transparent while providing value over simply processing a payment yeah. and, and, and the execution. So modern API technology will help banks, us, deliver these services in ways which are easy for our clients to discover and also easier for them to consume. HSBC, if I, if I use our own example, we are redesigning our payment 
uh, architecture. The bank is investing a lot in cloud-based solutions and mm -hmm. creating microservices packages. This infrastructure will enable the bank to innovate more swiftly and provide corporates with more holistic HSBC experience. When a client, for example, when the client will, will purchase a service, the idea is that the customer will uh, experience is scalable across multiple markets. Okay. And these microservices can be applied to mobile, either to mobile payments, collection, or account receivables. What we saw recently, and, and because of COVID, is how government manage the distribution of loans. Both corporates receiving aid and government distributing loans felt that the process was slow mm -hmm. uh, and not as efficient Isn't, yeah. as required yeah. and also open to fraud. Of course. So this has meant governments are focusing on the ability to use blockchain technology, DLT, in the future to meet this challenge and also protect against ah, fraud. Okay. Mm. So the application of the central bank digital currencies for both wholesale and retail are clearly in the air. Mm, yeah, it's a very interesting area indeed. And I know lots of people watching that closely. Um, just, Francois, on the, on the real-time payments piece, where do you see that heading next? And what do you think actually needs to happen to further adoption? Because we're certainly not there yet. Um, no, no, clearly, and, and investment is key. Um, but the rise of, of retail payment schemes, RTP, uh, is in response to technology advances client demand and, and progressive regulatory policies to remove inefficiencies, increase payment velocity, and encourage uh, competition. The digital economy and rise uh, of mobile banking has provided strong use case for RTP that are transforming payment and collection as the world moves toward faster, mm. simpler, secure, and more information-rich payment. The, the professional life is now expected, our clients are expected to echo their consumer life, yeah, their absolutely. private life experience. Yeah. And, and the exponential growth of mobile has further nurtured these expectations. Mm -hmm. So to, to set the stage for greater innovation in RTP, it needs to be part of a multiple product proposition to create a superior value to the client because speed isn't the only factor. It needs to be real-time, 24-7, simplicity of application, like yeah. uh, using email, national ID, QR code, or, or APIs, yeah. uh, applications. And also, data-rich, use of the ISO 20 or 22 message format, because this will contain more information mm. and, and be more secured. So if we combine all these features, it is possible to develop new services for banks, right? for correspondent banks. It's possible to develop new services and new proposition to support our clients' evolving business model, fueling greater growth mm. and so adoption. So how do you think uh, that corporate treasury functions, so who are um, our readership at TMI and our listeners, how do you think that corporate <laughs> treasury functions might actually benefit from all of this investment that you're talking about? We saw clearly that the pandemic has increased the need for companies, for corporate treasury, to understand that their cash flow and reduce their costs. Mm. It makes API and the automated real-time reporting uh, they facilitate whereby companies can better access their banking information and services more important than ever. Mm. So that's why FI, Correspondent Bank, are investing in RTP 
to meet their client demand. So they are, they are building better access to real-time systems such as faster payment in the UK over Swift, also improving access to SEPA Inst over API, building overlay services for clients such as request to pay over mm. SEPA INS or faster payment. Mm. HSBC is focusing on, on commercializing services such as a, a product called beneficiary self-management where corporate clients don't have bank details of, of beneficiaries. And so being able to reduce the use of, of paper product and send payments over ACH or instant payment schemes. Mm. We saw as well that, that corporates are looking to reduce the number of banks uh, they deal with through a program of Nostro rationalization driven to uh, reduce cost and also uh, reduce concern of counterparty risk mm. in more exotic currencies. In Asia-Pacific, for instance, we, we have seen most demand to reduce nostrils and also request to access the low-value ACH as means of making cross-border payments. Additionally, COVID has accelerated the trend of digitization of offering and processes and, and driving a, a material reduction in willingness to accept manual processes. Yeah, yeah. And lastly, most European banks, as, as mentioned, so I mentioned ISO 2022, we are investing a lot. This is not, direct, not directly linked to real-time payment. However, this will significantly improve the interoperability between the I-value and the real-time schemes mm -hmm. that are already using XML. Well, an awful lot going on there, Francois, yes. um, which <laughs> is great. <laughs> um, and I'm glad you, you mentioned request to pay because that's something I'm trying to get some of our readers and listeners a little bit more um, interested in. And I would definitely recommend listeners have a look at that beneficiary self-management tool. We've got an interesting case study on the TMI website uh, with TFL and HSBC, uh, which may be of interest for some further reading. But Francois, um, we've touched on an awful lot that's going on, but what do you think might be other trends or innovations that will be watchwords for 2021 and why? Uh, I would say CBDC, which uh, is the uh, uh, central bank digital currencies. Yeah. Um, clearly, I mean, just today, if you look at the progress made by the People Bank of China and their use of the digital yuan, this shows how advanced CBDCs mm. are getting within their economy. Mm. This program is the largest trial of retail CBDC to date and has both PBOC, so People Bank of, of China, Alibaba, WeChat, and other corporates involved to test how individuals react to the concept. Yeah. Given the digital literacy of China and if this trial goes well, you can expect to see this expanded quickly across all China and Asia. Yeah, it is also a model that other regulators and central banks are looking closely at the overall operating model being used. And we know that the ECB and the Fed are also actively looking at application of, of CBDC to help post-COVID. As, as we mentioned, mm. they felt that the overall process of distributing loans, uh, receiving aid from end-to-end uh, end -end users was yeah. felt slow and, and inappropriate. So yeah. and the importance of blockchain and DLT. Absolutely. 
So the ECB, for example, are looking into retail CBDC and the role of the overall role of the central bank in, into uh, into the CBDC. So, but the question is, what will be the role of commercial banks like mm -hmm. us in the world of retail CBDCs? Um, it will be also interesting to watch how Bank of England responds uh, now that the UK will no longer be part of Europe uh, yeah. from January 2021 uh, and what uh, will be the plan for sterling uh, mm. CBDC. And given the importance of, of the dollar globally, the Fed is clearly looking to ensure that any adopting of CBDC incorporates the dollar and ensure that it is it continues to be able to play a role as uh, the role it does today. Of course, of course. The question for global CBDCs is what role a dollar could or would play and the impact on central banks, commercial banks like us, and corporates who operate in multi-currencies. Mm. Given HSBC footprint, this is clearly something that we are extremely interested in. Um, especially to understand the, the overall impact on the banking operating model, including risk, cost, benefits, and policy issues. Yeah, oh, well, I'm fascinated to see what happens in that right. space. So I know I'm clearly sure you've something got to watch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Something to watch clearly. Yeah, we'll have to catch up in uh, another year and see where yeah, see how things have pleasure. moved on. <laughs> well, Francois, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it, um, giving us some great insights. So thank uh, you. Thank you, Eleanor, for having me. Thank you for listening today. This has been HSBC Global Viewpoint, Banking and Markets. For more information about anything you heard in this podcast or to learn about HSBC's global services and offerings, please visit gbm.hsbc.com.